Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With the new updated site and interface, even with more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. So for this week's episode, we have Ryan Tomlinson. Ryan is the co-founder of the digital marketing agency, Language Media, and he's also the former consultant and co-founder for Dash Radio. We talk about balancing work and life and family, his past history working in radio and clear channel, switching careers to real estate, and going to the digital space. It's a hearty conversation, so take a listen and enjoy. What What is heavier from your perspective, from your um basically your perspective of this is harder to juggle well family or entertainment uh family or entertainment or family or fitness which I, one i would say family or entertainment first. Mm, that's a tough fitness one helped is helping your cycle right it helped and not only that but i think also with crossfit specifically this is going back to crossfit crossfit's a communal thing it's a very social fitness thing sure um and so i've brought my kid my kids grew up in a crossfit gym like my kids do kids crossfit my wife does crossfit like so it's a family thing and there's you know the the, the part that i love about it more than the workout is that there is a family element a family vibe i go for the community right in fact i, I we could talk about this later but I, i've parlayed that in, in some recent work that we did earlier this year as with the super bowl commercial and a bunch of other stuff that we did with CrossFit in the community and like we told the whole story about how like the so there's a social fitness movement of like rather than you just going to get a gym membership at Equinox and going by yourself right there's a thing about going to SoulCycle or going to CrossFit or going to these like group social environments where you're working out together as a social group so that you know fitness and social and family all kind of tied together balancing family life and balancing um, entertainment world and, and business and things is it's it's a constant challenge it's a constant um, it's a constant wrestling match like not to use another uh, analogy no, but it, 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 yeah. it totally is man and it, it's like I, it's the two loves of my life I mean that's really how I look at it it's like having two girlfriends and trying to keep them both happy and it's really difficult but I love what I do um, and I love my family dearly so it's 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 you know you know, part of it is a mutual respect on both sides. It's it's them understanding my deep love for um, for my work, and also them, you know, so being patient with that and allowing me to have that space. Sure. But then also me understanding that they have needs too, and without nurturing their needs, then I'm off balance there too, right? So right. yeah. But I think that you know, and anything too, like my work is affected by um, any lack of balance on the family side. Like if I if I know it's faltering, I'm not at my best. And the same with my family. If I know that my work is faltering. I tend to be a little bit more stressed out and anxiety prone and not as good of a family member as I am when work is going good and I'm in the zone. And, and you get those moments in life and it's, it's fleeting sometimes, but when everything is just humming at the right frequency where it's like, right. yeah, I'm a rock star. Right. And then, you know, you get the ups and downs. So you just, you just kind of go through it, you know? Well, I, I feel like 
whether if you lift weights, you work on something cardio-centric or martial arts, sometimes it just establishes a rhythm. Yeah. Which is key um, in terms of doing so many things in Los Angeles. Um, as we course towards entertainment, did you find yourself wanting to get entertainment in your teen years already? Is it something oh, yeah. That was no, since I was a child. Okay. Yeah. My mom, my mom got me into acting. Um, you know, I was always singing and dancing around the house and just kind of a ham all the time. My mom got me into acting when I was in third or fourth grade, like play production and different like um, off school, like sort of plays and things like that, musicals. So I was always involved in that and I always kind of looked up to like the dudes on TV and just like, I could do that. I could do that. And so she got me into acting early. I did a bunch of commercials, TV, things of that nature. And then when that kind of faded a little bit uh, as I got into high school, I started hitting puberty. It was harder for me to get jobs, just, you know, as being an awkward looking teenager and shit. But then as that died off, I jumped into music and kind of parlayed that into starting a band in high school. And then like that carried me like all the way through college and into the music business. And at the same time, coming from a broke family, having to like hustle hardcore on the side jobs and all stuff to survive as I got into college and things, um, I was always at this impasse of like, fuck, like I want to spend all my time doing music and I got to have three jobs to support myself and live in this apartment or do whatever. Right. I might as well get a job in the music business. And that way I could actually be surrounded constantly with the environment that I want to be in. So that when that happened, um, that was a big breakthrough, um, at least, you know, for, for the time being, it was a breakthrough to kind of be in the music business. I felt like I was on path, you know, at least if I wasn't going to make it as an artist, I felt like I had a, a solid chance at making it as a businessman within the business, within the music business. You what know? was that company? I worked for Clear Channel. I had, I had a first ah. job at a, um, a music magazine that Clear Channel owned. And um, I was part of like, you know, it was basic bullshit data entry, writing little journals on, on artists. And then eventually that led to being part of a transition team that transitioned a lot of the data that Clear Channel was taking in from you know, album sales and retail and different charts to digitizing that. So I was part of like a digital thing, which is cool. And it helped me build a big network of um, artist relationships. And I was still hustling, still selling drugs. And I was also still like sort of booking my own band by using my like clear channel business card to do that and sure. the tours. hustle under hustle 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 and uh, i also figured out how to manipulate the charts so i was like hustling shows with all of my like the guys that i was tr supposed to be writing about and digitizing and then booking them for tours and routing tours and then manipulating the charts and like sort of hacking like sales charts so that our bands and our artists that we we're working with were always on the top of the charts every week sure and then using like street team marketing things to kind of just get different looks and different you know scores here and there so it was a cool, it was a cool time. It was a, you know, pre MySpace, pre Facebook, pre any of that kind of shit, pre iTunes. Like this was, you know, this was not the, it was the dawn of the digital age. You it's know? almost like you're a promoter for a club where you're handing out flyers. I literally was. Kind of like I literally was. analog method. Totally. It was an analog method for sure. What do you see when someone is privileged and they're trying to get entertainment that the work ethic's different or have you been shocked? That goes by the person, dude. I, I know a ton of people that came up from privilege that are hustlers, like, fucking, that'll make you and I look like slacks, dude, you right. know? And then I've certainly seen the converse where you got these guys that just uh, free ride syndrome that constantly have that, you know? So it goes both ways. And I've seen, I've seen some broke motherfuckers have no hunger either and just, you know, fuck up every, you know, hand-given thing, too. As well as the guys that can sleep on the couch and hustle. Totally. I mean, that's just, it just goes with the person. I don't know if I, like... I don't know if I have any major indicators that it comes from one socioeconomic 
uh, you know, um, source or the other. I feel like it's just by the person from my experience. Yeah, because um, what I'm noticing because of the Internet, even Gen Xers, millennials, you see that people are becoming, let's say, at an Internet trend. It becomes sociological. What mm. I mean by that is... Um, Baby boomers would complain, oh, too many of you millennials take selfies. Mm. But as they join Facebook and all this They start getting into they're, they're, they're taking it. For sure, selfies. for sure. They're taking selfies with their grandchildren. <clears throat> yep. So for, from your observation, because you've been in the span of entertainment, you've seen the gambit. So it's, you have to judge yeah. by character. Yeah, yeah. And wait for the person. Totally. Now, when you decided, or when was it a point where you go, you know what, digital has so much heavy, heavy, heavy churn for the uh, the pie of entertainment. Well, when did you start noticing that? Oh, I mean, I noticed it as early as anybody. I noticed it when, you know, I was downloading thousands of records on on Kazaa or, or Napster and, like, being in the, in, like, working at Clear Channel at that time and listening into board meetings about how they had to, you know, squash it and get rid of it because the digital age is you know we got to stomp this out and it's like listening to those older guys in the industry talk about like how that's they're going to stomp it out he's like you guys it's just ridiculous that you're saying so like hearing that was just like fuck do you guys are going to die off and this is going to be the future so like you see that early on i mean that's that wasn't like that wasn't me being clairvoyant that was just like duh like that was just about to happen you know um did that seem like Oh, it's time for me to bounce from this company. I needed a paycheck. I mean, no, I didn't. I mean, the, I I think I either got fired or I bounced because I like found another. I was like leveling up, so I didn't. I wasn't ready to bounce until I was ready to level up and like get the next thing. I think I started hustling hard enough to where I was either making more money selling weed and and booking like stupid shows that I ended up just leaving on my own. Um, uh, but I, you know, it wasn't like this ship is sinking, right? Like. Because, you know, 20 years later, 17 years later, um, Clear Channel is actually probably eventually going to go bankrupt or something at some point. But they're still sure. here, you know. And um, if they would have, I mean, to be honest, if they would have just offered me a little bit more money, I would have stayed. Um, so it wasn't, no, I didn't like, I didn't jump off the Titanic. I, I just found another hustle. So that was like a stepping stone. Yeah, um, it seems like everyone, if I may label you a Gen Xer. Yeah, uh, kind of. I'm on the, I'm on the, the cusp. Guy. I'm on the cusp. Right there. I see. I see kind of both sides of the of the uh, fence there. You know. Right. Uh, well, at least you being in in the digital environment yeah. helps you see both sides yeah, yeah. even clearer. Yeah. You know that point in time when you were like slanging dope, trying to find the next. What helped you <clears throat> get to this point now? Because because for a lot of our younger audience. They feel lost and they feel like, you know, I'm going to stay at home for the rest of my fucking life until <laughs> right. my mom or dad passes this home to me. Yeah. Is that what you think that's a lot of people feel that way? Young kids feel that way now? Um, it's it's a means extremes thing. There's no regression to the mean. Hmm. It's absolutely I'm fucking lazy or, dude, I'm going to have a YouTube channel. I'm going to own my own company hmm. and I'm going to be a rapper. You know, it, hmm. it feels pretty means extremes. And I, I'm coming from the internship, being at Dash being at SiriusXM so that's my uh, sample size yeah yeah so you can correct me if you feel like you're I, I, I don't know yeah, yeah it's no it's interesting I don't know if it's different I, I mean it's interesting I see I see how that makes sense um, 
I guess if you're, what was the question? If, if you're asking how did I make that transition or how sure, did I? Sure, sure. Well, maybe we can just share to help them out. You know, like, hey, I was slanging dope. I was kind of lost, but. I, I, I don't know if it, I don't even know if I was lost. I think I think slanging ah. dope was like it was an opportunity that I seized and I had to capitalize off of, and it was there. And I like I needed a hustle. I needed to make ends meet. I did it. Um, I didn't feel like oh I'm lost. I found myself selling drugs. Like it was just it was just like a a supplemental income that like came about and it was it was there. Sure. Right. Um, I think the only reason why I stopped is probably because I didn't I didn't I got to a point where maybe I didn't need to supplement the income anymore off it I, I think you know but I think I always had the hustle and I think maybe it goes back to the idea that you know that either the hustle spirit is inherent or it isn't I don't know too many people who are just complete fucking losers who go who wake up one morning and go fuck like I'm a I gotta fucking be a hustler and then all of a sudden everything changes I, I see like you you may hear that as a as a topical speaking point sure. but you know the, the proof is in the poison with with actions and i think that either in my opinion like it's the whole it's the, it's the adage of like you know weed makes you lazy it's like well no i don't think it does i think weed makes lazy people stay lazy sure. and weed makes hustlers you know enhances their hustle ability maybe but so so i think that same thing with laziness and like inherent hustle Either you got it or you don't, you know. And I feel like I always had it. I think I think selling weed was a um, maybe a a proof point to the fact that I was hustling because while I was while I had my day job, I right. was slanging to supplement as a hustle mode, right? right? Not as like not as like oh well, I can't figure out anything else, you know. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what's, what's your theory? Yeah, hey, tell and, me. And check me on it, please. I, I think because you're right at the analog and digital medium. Yeah. You had that in you. It's like no, I got to survive. Some is land. It's not even an afterthought. Yeah. Where someone who's speaking of weed, did you just catch that aroma? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I smell it. I, I'd love to join. Actually, it's all good. Just share. I'm just saying. <laughs> just it's all good. <laughs> but but yeah. I mean, but living in California, that's so natural. But here, back to my theory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He really is possibly. Um, you know, after the Greatest Generation, the Baby Boomers, Gen X. We, we, we were the hard hat method of thinking yeah versus someone who's albeit spoiled or not they're just too threatened mm. do you think that has a lot to do with it it's, it's the hard hat thinking of our generation you mean versus someone who would be scared to sell weed um I mean like I said like if you're if you're already determined to hustle Sure. Fear doesn't play into it. I feel like okay. you're like, fuck it, like let's go for it, right? Because in the nature of being a hustle and being the spirit of like a hustler, you um, you sort of throw caution to the wind and the, in, in 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 pursuit of you know whatever you're going after, right? So right. like whether that's selling weed and the risk involved, or whether it's being a dope like graffiti artist bombing up the freeway sign, or whether it's someone who's going to start a new startup business. Like I feel like you go, yeah, there's a lot of opposing forces here. You know, but risk versus reward, I'm going to go for it. You know what I mean? And so I feel like, yeah, and maybe, and I, you know, I feel like, I don't know if the, if, I don't know if that made sense, but I think that. You're sharing your experience. Yeah. I feel like so. the, I feel like the, 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 uh, the fear doesn't really apply to someone who's already inherently determined to, to score and to set up, you know? It's a pretty enlightening moment to be here at a dope boutique hotel. And you're the fourth person I've asked about this gap. You're the fourth person that said it's personality based. It's not generation. Yeah, based. yeah. So certainly, generation has a thing. There is a thing to it. Like, so? yeah, I mean, it's like, but I guess the way it's it's the mode 
it's the it's the mode of 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 like execution that has changed generationally, right? So like for example, like because things are so hyper fucking touch and like immediate and like fast and like the the service and the modality of of like execution has changed. Um, like the barrier of entry has gone down for a lot of people to do anything, right? Like fucking ten years ago, if you wanted to be a coder or even a film, if you wanted to do this interview ten years ago, you know the level of stuff that you'd have to have the barrier of entry to do that would sure. be very, very hard. The fact that you're multimedia bringing in, you know, this thing and setting it up in two seconds and it's going on air and it's going on television and it's going on video. Right. I mean, those are the modes that have changed over the generation. Right. And this is so, this is so obvious to young kids now. So, so the barrier is dropped and I think it makes it so much easier. Um, it makes it easier to do, but it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, the first step is actually getting all this shit together, organizing and doing what you did, which is the hustle part, right? Sure. sure. It's not, you know, even though all this stuff exists for anyone to do, not everyone's going to do it because they don't wake up every morning with the determination. Like I'm going to make this fucking happen today. Do you feel me? Or, or I work at eight o'clock tonight, but I, so I got to get this done. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like generationally what they have is a modality that lets it be easier, but the, but the person, the person inside the driver has to decide and be proactive and actually take the steps to make that happen, right? So I don't know if that's generational. That's personality. But generationally, the, the tools... Up equipment, point, I'm backing up my point. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Which is great. It, yeah. It's conclusive. Yeah. Um, Thank you for finding the correlation to that no, point. of course, man. <laughs> well, I fucked up so many different interviews like eight years ago. By the time it became five years ago, I had... You got it again. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, I don't know. I can edit this out if it's it's not topically what you want to speak to. I'm an open book. Um, what was that like working with Ski and the development of Dash Radio? Actually, no, Ski TV first. Yeah, yeah, Ski TV first. Um, dude, I... Um, I... I was stoked to to be a part of that whole legacy and like to you know to work with ski i mean you know i i met ski shortly after the my experience at clear channel and 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 after that um, experience at clear channel I, I actually left the entertainment world and went into real estate for a few years and actually um, found some success in that and but it was totally miserable because it wasn't feeding my soul and so I found Ski and it was he was he was the conduit to like opening up this new world of entertainment and digital and things that I was longing for after a, a hiatus from it right so he, he it was it was a blessing to meet him it was um, it was refreshing to hear his vision for the future and where he saw the world and and telescoping the world and so and I and I subscribe subscribed to it agreed with it I, I echoed it and I wanted to be a part of it and um, he had incredible access to talent and to and to a world that a lot of young people wanted in on and so being able to open that up for them and, and create daily videos that would expose that world to the rest of the, you know the population was a massive opportunity for us and to be able to be given that opportunity to build a business around that and to build something that was sustainable and profitable and um, meaningful um, to, to brands and to talent and to an audience was really, really an amazing opportunity. I mean, I, I literally cut my teeth on everything that we did together. Um, you know, I learned a lot, man. I, I spent like, I got a doctorate in that shit. Like that was like my 10,000 hours, um, was working with him on ski TV. And I think we accomplished a lot of things. There's always two ways of looking at it. I mean, in fairness, like, you know, we, um, we did a lot of amazing milestones and accomplished a lot of like pop moments, pop culture moments that like, I think are, 
are, um, are probably still relevant or actually, you know, something you can point to and be like, yeah, I remember that. Like we did that. And there's a handful of those things. Um, and so it was, it was, that was a great time. Right. Um, uh, you know, the inception of Dash came from an app that we built within Ski TV called Ski 24-7, which was basically, yeah, it was like the one, it was like a singular station that became Dash, right? Um, and so that was really rad. And um, we made a we made a decision as a company a few years back and said, like, okay, what are we going to do with these couple of things within the company? Uh, are we are they going to be scalable and, 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 and are, can we monetize them or are they just for fun and kind of cool? And if so, we probably have to pull the plug on some of these things. So we basically... Um, you know, kind of divided some of those assets and, and worked on them. And I worked on the TV side and I worked on the syndication side and really developing a strong muscle and being able to package television shows, licensing deals and syndication models around content and understand like really community and understanding how to build a community around content. I focused on that, um, which became my current company language and ski focused on ski 24 seven, which became his current company dash. Um, and so we sort of like divided the baby, you know, a few years back, two years back or so, um, around that inception point. So my, my, my world of dash and my view of dash and my experience with dash was, was sort of limited at the very beginning of it. Um, and, and, um, you know, it's interesting to see what he's doing with dash and, and, and I think, you know, I, I, I think ski is always going to be successful. And, and, and so I'm, I'm stoked to see what happens with dash, but I'm not involved in it as much. Yeah. Like, um, and so I've went off and done, you know, with language and stuff, but working with ski was, um, was always great. And, um, yeah, I don't know what, I mean, it was like, it was my, my education. Like it was, it was pretty phenomenal experience for sure. You're, you're segging my interviews pretty well. Oh, good. I don't have to do good, anything. You're good. Good. But, um, before we get to that, are you guys amicable? Yeah. I mean, we're not, there's, uh, no bad blood between us. Um, good. yeah. So yeah, I mean, if I saw him and now it would be, everything's cool. We haven't spoken in a while. Um, and, um, for no other reason than I think just because we're both just super consumed and busy. Um, but I think, yeah, everything's super cool and I wish ski the best. Like, I feel like, you know, he's he'll like, I, I feel like if you're going to bet money on him, long money that like on him, I think it's probably money, money well placed on his, on his success in the future. Right on. Yeah. Now. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, um, who's listening right now, Ryan, if you don't mind describing what language media is yeah. and, and, and purpose. Yeah, so language media is sort of a configuration of a, of a bunch of multi-hyphenate unicorns like who are like seriously experts in like certain areas of brand reinvention, um, uh, d- direct creative direction, producing, uh, directing, um, and, and content community building. And it's a studio. I mean, we're building language media is a, is a community building content studio. Um, so, you know, that's kind of a fancy way of saying we make shit, we make cool, creative videos, TV, films, digital videos, which are really films to, to, to us. We look at everything as films, right? Even if it's a, if it's a 30 second film or if it's a 90 minute film, it's a film, or if it's a 10 episode of, you know, like, you know, uh, a binge watch series, it's still, for us, it's a film, it's a story, it's a, it's a, 
it's a visual story. Uh, and so we, we, we do that as a studio. We own, you know, a lot of our own content and when we, and then we monetize it through syndication models of like licensing or selling to like guys like Netflix or Vice or whoever. And then also we look very deeply at the audience that we're targeting for that piece of content and we sort of get into the psychographs and the sort of makeup, um, at least uh, social makeup of, of who that audience is and how they speak and how they share content and we study that. And so part of our strategy in building a piece of content, a story or a film or a television show is understanding the audience and how do we create a community experience with that audience through that content, right? So again, another fancy way of saying that is like instead of creating a show and like hopefully it reaches an audience, we, we really design the show in mind with the audience already and then and go after them in a very smart way. Um, and so we, we bring the audience with us to our shows, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, is it possible also for for someone to approach you and then you guys invest into them? Yeah, so our company set up um, pretty much three verticals. So one is, you know, servicing uh, and working with, with with brands, right? Like, you know, so for example, we did a Super Bowl commercial this year with Michelob Ultra, um, and and that turned into uh, building out a community strategy for how they create a social fitness community. Um, and, and so we filmed like 80 pieces of content with people from actual CrossFit gyms and like really dope storytelling content from within the community. And all of that content sort of surrounded the Super Bowl spot and amplified the Super Bowl spot because everyone was already talking about it. So, so, so that's one one vertical, and that that's working with a brand that underwrites all that content, that pays for all that, and we're servicing that client, right? The other way we work is that we work with partnerships. So we have creative partnerships with like right now we're working with LeBron James and Uninterrupted, his platform, and we're helping him design a programming strategy for Uninterrupted. So that's soup to nuts like strategy and design of who this audience is and what is the content, all that kind of stuff. And that's a partnership. And so in that partnership, we're going to create content and films together that we're going to go out and try to all monetize and eat off of those things as, you know, and owning, owning that content together. And then the third thing that we do is we look at maybe maybe some smaller brands or some smaller talent partners that maybe can't afford us as brands, uh, and and we invest our time and energy into finding you know alternative funding mechanisms to fund these ideas and incubate them. So it's almost like an incubation um, of of new content and things that we believe in, and we invest a little bit more time and maybe do a reduced fee structure, um, but uh, a little bit more investment in in getting nurturing of of that of that project or nurturing of that partnership right for the third method yeah um do you essentially is that kind of like a, a digital manager and strategic uh mentor um it, it could be yeah 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 in different ways so that way they can approach you guys. yeah yeah it could be i mean like you know to be honest like it's we don't we don't take a ton of in, in inbound calls that way like we you know kind of selective on those things and it's um, but yes, it's like, it's a strategic partnership. It's a strategic investment that we make in helping to bring out, um, the essence of the cool factor, the essence of something that we think is really special there that hasn't been fully optimized or fully reached. And we help try to get that out and then build a plan for sustainability around that. Right. Um, usually with content creation, creative direction, and then syndication or some sort of distribution plan that's inherently built to make money from it all. Right. Sure. Yeah. To yeah. be literal and binary for you who's listening, yeah. um, with an example of <clears throat> Broad City, those two chicks on Comedy Central, yeah, yeah. they first started off as a platform on YouTube. Yeah. They could approach you and say, Ryan or whoever's in, in charge of management, and go, you know, take a look. Maybe this is something we can partner on. 
and work together. Yeah, yeah. So like that's that's exactly how it happens. Like we get like like um, a good example of that would be a film a film company um, who's doing five animated films. Uh, they have they have funding for five animated films. They're, they have they brought in the the pr- creator of Shrek and these all these different directors. And they're like here's a script. We have the producer. We have the director. We need we want your help to help us create a a way to to a cast the right people the right influencers within this uh, film so that they can be the built-in marketing piece of this film and then create ancillary content outside of the film like little behind the scenes and little tiny animations and all kinds of content which we all love um and how do we how do we build that plan and sort of build that strategy for all five films and so we would partner with them um and build that as a partnership to where we would own a piece of that own a piece of the back end of those films and then help them execute so we've we've just finished doing that for five animated films um and and doing that for another movie studio for 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 a client that I can't talk about but it's very similar to what you just said broad it's it's like almost like sp- spot on to that T where you take, you know, the broad city chicks who like started off as a digital platform. Now they have a television show and now they're interested in doing some films. And like, how do we get, how do you get behind this film to create all this like sort of strategy around how to amplify this through the community that's watching this type of stuff. Right. It's exactly that idea. That's great. Yeah. Um, in regards to on demand versus live. Yeah. Where do you think that's going? Cause my theory is the room for live is for news. Yeah. Almost everything else I consume is on demand. Yeah, news and sports. Correct. Yeah. News and sports. Is that pretty much a fortified thought? 100%. 100%. People, you like, people are going to dictate their own consumption habits. They already are. Um, I think even sports is going to change. I don't think people have the attention span to watch a two-hour game anymore. I think they're going to watch it on Bleacher Report, like, you know, truncated versions of that shit, right? And keep up with the score and, and keep up with the with the headlines and highlights. But I think it's already here. I mean, that's it's an on-demand world already, I think. That's not going to change. Okay. I think that, I think there may be a version of it where people want to have a live experience and will pay a premium for that. So maybe behind a paywall, you know, they'll get access to a live concert or they'll get access to a live event that's happening and maybe pay a premium for the live experience. I mean, obviously Snapchat um, and Facebook Live are indicators that like people still want that like sort of zero latency experience. Sure. But it's going to be it's not going to be a widespread appointment television watching on live demand anymore. I don't think. I think it's already we're already past that point. Yeah, I think it's 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 just up to people to actually try it. Yeah. Once you try it, you're not going to go back. No, why would you? People's schedules are crazy anyways. Ryan, I'm going to put you on blast for a little bit. Do it. Right? Do it. So you answer either or. Okay. Wu-Tang or Diggable Planets? Diggable Planets. Why Diggable Planets? I'm just into the jazz vibe. Like, I love Wu-Tang, don't get me wrong, but sure. Diggable is like some smoke-out jazz, spacey planet like astrological head trip shit and Wu-Tang is like some hard shit which I love but if you gave me a gun to my head choice I'd go for Diggable I think I know the answer to this just cause we've been talking for a while yeah judo or wrestling judo like when you say wrestling you mean like WWE wrestling no, 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 as in like collegiate wrestling Greco-Roman wrestling tough one I feel like judo it's still like I would still prefer judo just because of center. It's all about center of gravity more than more than like brute force. Sure. So judo is all technique and center of gravity. I'd probably just go for judo. Because there's a judo revolution where they're going no gi. That's true. Right. That's you know, hot. Because that's you know. Yeah. You can't use gi judo right here right now. Ah, this is this is so typical, but I but I have to a- ask it. LeBron or Jordan? Damn, only, I mean, because I'm working with LeBron, I gotta go for LeBron. Uh, like, here's why though, because I think we saw we saw Jordan. Like, when I grew up, Jordan was a superhero. 
He, it was unobtainable. He was mythic. He was mythic. And you only saw him as a mythical creature. Because if you actually dig deep into his real life, he was an asshole, degenerate gambler. Like, he was not a, probably a nice dude. Fucking penis-thrusting motherfucker, dude. Which props to that. But, like, <laughs> just not even, like, the dude wasn't, like, a nice guy. LeBron is, like, a superhuman. Even though he is a... He, he's, like... But he's human in the same sense. Like, he's a family guy. He's diverse. He's a complex guy. He's sophisticated. He's, 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 he's obtainable. He's, you know? Like, it's in some way... There's a... There's a tangible aspect behind LBJ yeah. where he can even clap back on, on a tweet. Totally. Is it bad that I skipped Kobe over? Uh, I would have gone with Kobe if you would have put in the third Kobe option. Kobe, for me. I'm an LA guy, sorry. Okay. But Kobe, look, uh, like I think LeBron's legacy is is, uh, is probably going to go heavier than Kobe's and, and like when it's all said and done, when it's all written. But just, I've just, I don't know, I grew up watching Kobe and like in person in the stands and like I don't know something something for me is Kobe I think there's something to seeing it first yeah I, I, I found this record totally Jordan you were an old record an older record yeah I was too young to really like get Jordan in that sense right Kobe was a peer of mine he was almost my age he was like we were in, you know like so I felt like he was my, my thing right LeBron was just after that just after me Almost and like still a, is. A, a remix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like a remix. He's a dope remix. That's right. Um, couple more. Sure. Bone in ribeye or fillet? Bone in ribeye, bro. Like, how's that even a like fillet? Well, fillet's like one of the most overrated, in my opinion, overrated cuts. Waste, waste of money. I agree. It's it, like although I tend to be, you know, more girthy than than long and lean, just personally but 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 i don't know why i had to throw in the phallic uh, reference but yeah i'm in shape but the but the 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 fillet is like just a fucking sponge versus a ribeye bone and ribeye specifically is like that's where the cut is right yeah that's where the cut is um two more uh, it's about you got time bro i'm good yeah yeah, yeah, we got plenty of time i'm enjoying this cool cool as am i tell me if i'm rambling too long because i i love the sound of my fucking voice bro so I could talk. You know what? We're, we're supposed to be trained to make it about you. It's really cool. All right. right? I like That's that. I like, if this is the time, I'll soak it in. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Um, no one else likes to listen to me. Is is the rating of Kendrick Lamar? And, and you're, you're speaking to a 41-year-old. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like Biggie, Biggie Galore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is his rating <clears throat> too high? So... You're asking the wrong guy if you want that if you want me to follow you there because I think I think he's one of the greatest to ever do it. And I'll tell you here's my thing. Oh I my think God, Ryan, you're breaking my heart. No, listen. You're breaking my heart. I'm not saying he is the greatest. I'm saying he's one of the greatest. Okay. And and a couple reasons. Number one is I've I've personally known Kendrick Lamar for a long time, like worked with him at ski for a long time. Mm-hmm. One of the nicest guys ever, too, by the way. One of the dudes that you always want to root for because he's just a nice fucking guy like the guy I'm gonna tell you like this I've been at many events with him where he didn't have to remember me he has to remember Ski you know whatever he didn't have to remember me he's beeline to me to say hello and like eye contact and like shake my hand and to me that means something so much because of all the artists that we've worked with and there's everyone he's one of the few that is actually like a genuine nice person so for that reason, he had a special place for me. After um, To Pimp a Butterfly, which I thought was a fucking Magnus Opus, like Magnum Opus, whatever, yes. I thought I, it was so, so amazing. And the more I listened to it, the more I uncovered and the more... It's like watching The Godfather. I watched The Godfather, you know, a hundred million times and I still uncover new things. That's how To Pimp a Butterfly was for me for a very long time. When Damn came out, 
at first couple listens, which I, I gave it, I, I immediately gave it the full through three or four times in a row, right when it came out. And I, I recognized to make, in that, sure. to make sure. To make sure. And I and I and I recognized in the first three times through, I go, fuck dude, there's so much here that I know I'm only I'm only scratching the surface. I know if I give it more time, I'm gonna really uncover more and more and more. And the more I've read about like the second album rumor and like the sort of hidden messages and how you can listen to it backwards as well as frontwards and it's two different theories of like, you know, wickedness. Dude, and so that's that's what I'm saying, like when was the last time? I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't think of like too many other than like maybe Jay Z or like I mean, and, and, you know, there's a few, but like we're like it's been a while since someone has put the time into developing an album that's so conceptual, conceptual, conceptual. that it takes us long enough to even uncover these things. Do you know what I mean? I, I absolutely agree. Um, Sometimes people put out albums in a chapterial sense. Right. right? And that, or most people don't even give a fuck and they just put out singles all day and some bullshit. Like, like some and just play that game. And it's, which has its place, but that's not this. And I feel like it's so dope to me that he's on another level. And, and like, not everyone's going to get it. And it's not going to be mainstream. And it's not going to be um, what everyone, and maybe what all the kids are going to be raving about. You know, it might be overlooked by a lot of people. Um, but I think he's really, really special. I'm really a fan. Definitely yeah. king for this era. I mean, fuck, dude. Who like can you? Who like who? Who comes close to that right now? Especially me from a judgmental older cat. Yeah. He's the guy I go to. Is like, okay, that's the guy who's the continuum. He picked up the ball from the '70s, the '80s, '90s. Totally. Listen, also, you, you, uh, you know, look again. I think last year, if you asked me what are the top three albums that came out last year, I would tell you, De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest were two of my favorite albums of last year, right? Man, thank you for saying that. Like that, that's a given. And I, and like, I don't like. There's not many. I mean, other than like Anderson Pack, and like, like, I'll even throw Bruno Mars in that hat, which might be looked at as crazy, but I feel like he's he's a special cat too. But you know Kendrick you tell me who like Chance the Rapper gets a lot of love and I see why and he's super fucking talented but nothing I've heard from him um, while all of it's exceptional isn't like I don't have to listen to it 10 times to uncover like hidden gems and like really go deep with it and I, I just like that type of shit do you know what I mean right. absolutely yeah. and uh, the other context I wanted to share to you who's listening um, I've been both talent and board op the way Dash was founded in Ski TV, it's like Chad Hugo and Pharrell. So the context I wanted to share was for Kendrick to come up to Chad Hugo in a sense because he's in front of the camera and you're mm. behind. Mm. That That's pretty soulful for you to receive. Mm. Wow, thank you very much. Right? Yeah, that's well, amazing. Well, I mean, I, I'm a metaphorical dude. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm pretty spot on when it comes to that, right? Mm. I mean, because... The actor can only be as good as the director and the camera person, too. Mm. Oh, I totally agree with that. I mean, it's all supporting roles. I mean, the, the guys in front of the camera, the guys on record get all the get all the, the claps, but certainly there is a supporting cast that goes behind that to make it happen, for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, as we're about to wrap... And I, I was, like, really thinking about it. Were you calling me... Chad, you're tra- calling me Chad Hugo, Hugo? And then Ski is Pharrell. I dig that. Because, because Chad Hugo's busy programming things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Phil's no. got to be all falsetto on behind the fucking mic <laughs> and do his thing. Right. I'm not ripping on Please don't misunderstand. No, me. no, no. None taken. I think that's a great analogy, for sure. You know, um, as we're about to wrap, where do you think entrepreneurship for young people is going? 
Is it strictly digital? No, not at all, dude. I see entrepreneurship in fashion. I see entrepreneurship in in um, in all kinds of elements, dude. There's automotive. There's. I mean, it's just like in terms of like like we live in a bubble of entertainment and, and media and content. So we're, that's, you know, everything we look at, like if you're, if you're a carpenter, you know, every, if you think every, if you think the world's a hammer, everything's a nail type of analogy or something like that. Sure. But, um, so I think certainly we see that up front, but I think entrepreneurship is in, you know, clean tech, um, in sustainability for gardening. I think there's, you know, farm to table. There's, um, there's food, I, there's so many, there's so many, I think entrepreneurship is like, that is what's going to save us because dude, as everything starts to get automated in this fear, of like robots taking over our jobs it's like no robots are going to take over the cogs in the machine that put the bolt in the hole and and you know and god let them have those jobs like unfortunately um or or fortunately for us because you know uh, but but the ones that are going to remain are the entrepreneurships the ones that are going to be thinking cognitively and thinking spiritually and quantumly about all kinds of opportunities and possibilities and um and i think that it doesn't just only pertain to digital it's 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 innovation in general for making rocket ships and biodomes and all kinds of fucking crazy shit so no i don't think it's limited to digital i think it's the future for sure and i think we should be embracing that i think we should change our education system so that kids are more programmed to learn how to code and learn how to be entrepreneurial and and not be cog in the machine type of education because that's going to just breed more fucking cogs who are going to sit around and complain about who moved my cheese and why the fucking new jobs are all automated whereas if we teach kids critical thinking and things about nature we can breed more entrepreneurs and i think that's what we need to strike up a uh another industrial revolution in this country um that we you know i hope that's where that's the way of of the future you know? sure. yeah I mean, to incorporate analytical thinking at such a such a pillar age yeah for kids that's the most instrumental mental faculty that you could add to a persona i think in general generally speaking in more more of a like big statement but i feel like you know when you look at um when there's this bifurcation or binary sort of like uh, thinking in general, black or white, it's gay or it's not, it's it's you know it's white or it's black or it's a pass or a fail. I think when you think that it's dangerous, and, in, and when you look at the gradient or the spectrum of things, um, and this is where I, I'll get back to all this because when you when you have an education system that looks at pass or fail, um, then kids start to be fail and risk adverse. Uh, to you know, to, they don't want to fail. They don't. Oh God, you know, like I, God forbid. But as an entrepreneur, you have to look at it completely differently you're like how many times can i fail how many times can i fucking go real fast through that door to get hurt and learn from that and build back up on those things and i think if we want to breed more entrepreneurs we have to look more gradient and that goes with civil rights and human rights if we want to look at everything as black or white then you're going to always have problems if you look at the gradient then you go like oh fuck like there's a spectrum of things if you look at that for gay rights it's like oh there's no it's no you know there's no men or female anymore it's a spectrum of sexuality or whatever it is like I think as we as we as people evolve into seeing a much you know uh, if we look widen the aperture across the board and look at a spectrum of things a gradient of things I think we'll have a more richer understanding for how things actually are and I think we'll be less uh, apprehensive of failure less apprehensive of rejection less apprehensive of of like I don't know if that I'm rambling completely no, but no, that's no, just yeah I mean that's where I think I, I hope I see us as people changing and I hope that changes the future of entrepreneurship it changes the people interaction with people and understanding of commonalities. Anyways, that's my shit. No, that's a hell of a close-up. Sorry. You know, it, 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 you can't think in I's and O's. Mm. You can't, because now that, that, that there's digital, but well, what is your soul into? What if you're into fashion? Yeah. You know, that, that becomes just the accessory. Yeah. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.